What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into yet another episode of the Dogs Basketball Podcast. Again, back in the win column on our own little winning streak once again after a really big road victory this past Saturday. I'm Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch, as always. No, we can't lie. I mean, us two, we both picked us to lose this game. You know, the writing was potentially there after the game Missouri State just had. We know we can, you know, after a team does great, they can have a bad one, as we know, and that's what it was. Wouldn't say they played bad. I'd just say we played one of our best games of the year. What's going on? Yeah, most definitely. I think it's the most complete defensive outing we've seen from this team. Um, And even, I mean, talking offensively, I, I mentioned it going into this game, and we were due for a decent shooting night, and there we do. We get 39% from three. You hit 10 of those, and I knew they were due for um, a little off shooting night because they had been so hot then. And uh, you get their best shooter, go four, four of 11 from three and tremble, which all those came in the first half. But knew some little luck was surely to come to our side at some point. We got a big win on Saturday. Yes, we did. It was, yeah, it was a game where we started strong and then it got a little dicey at the end. We'll dive into it. You mentioned the threes. We'll just say right off the bat, yeah, I mean, there were stats that we were, you know, two of 11 to start from three and finished eight of 15. So, yeah, it it shows you that if you shoot well from three and, you know, there was a stat where we were, I think, into this game, or I want to say when we were watching a different game, I'm not sure, but we were what our record is well what i remember there's stats uh, i think they had on the broadcast when we win the points in the paint battle brian and our record is unbelievable whether that's this year in his in his tenure and you know we're we shut that we're fourth in the country at highest two point field goals so i mean you're, we're shooting about 60 percent from twos and we've been playing great in the paint this season just the fact that we uh you know, had this game here where if you just make a couple more threes, yes, that you're scoring over 70 a game and you're winning games, you know, a lot easier, I guess, than you had been. And it just shows you the complete offensive team that we can be because we know we can be a really good three-point shooting team. Some guys are still struggling in that regard. but uh, So that's a crazy stat knowing we were fourth because it says Indiana State was uh, second in the country when we were watching their game, that's the stat that we found from that. So we will dive into this game, some tidbits, some takeaways, usual stuff. There's a lot more because it is Monday. We have a lot more bracketologies to discuss. One that didn't have us on it. We'll dive into that. Uh, Some other things on net, maybe a small little other net update. Uh, Well, maybe we'll talk about just where we are as a team stats wise halfway through the year or halfway through the conference year at 10 games, the pro Saluki is talking about Kennard Davis getting a dub on his birthday on Friday night. And then we will dive into the racers of Murray state. There was a teleconference, another late one they posted. wasn't as late as last week, but we will dive into that. If there's anything worth, worth it at um, that came out today. So now let's dive into this four point victory. I mean, right off the bat, I just want to say, though, we're already at 16 wins. We're 16-5 and five on the year, 8-2 and two in conference. We'll dive into the standings here on this day. Uh, but, Noah, that's as many wins as we had last year. We were 16-15 and 15 last year. It's just showing the, the jump that we've taken because we've beaten all these. You know, last year we were not beating the teams ahead of us. We were uh, 
you know, beating every team below us, which is what you're expected to do, that just means you're a middle-of-the-pack team. And we'll get to a team that kind of is doing that where we were last year, but we're winning games against good teams, and it's showing that with our record, overall record, it's been an awesome season for us. So let's dive into this dub against the Racers. We mentioned Noah. It was – well, pregame, because we heard on that day, because we were talking before, are we ever – because we know Clarence has been struggling. We'll get into him again. Are we ever going to see – any of the bigs play together and Brian confirmed that in the pregame because he was asked about it. And the I- irony that Mike even asked about it was we're we going to see him together. And he did. And it makes sense. The only time you'll see it is if you have Clarence at the four and Scotty and or JD at the five. Uh, so that's the only thing we took from that, knowing that it, we can see it and pinpoint yeah, against Bradley. You might, uh, but that'll be probably the only time I doubt we honestly do see it. That's the only thing pregame, same starting five for us, Noah, Dive into how this first the start of this game happened. It was scoreless for a while, but there there weren't a whole lot of dead balls to get to these TV timeouts. So this game honestly flew by at the start. Yeah, most definitely, especially this first half. I mean, right away it was we started defensively. Um, got a Mogbo missed a jumper. Um, then we turned it over. It was just a team turnover. Then Jawan got a steal from Donovan Clay. Um, it was back and forth with a little bit of turnover sloppiness a little bit, but Jawan got us started here, got a layup. Then we got a turnover by Kendall Moore, turned to a Jawan Newton three. I mean, we couldn't ask for a better start, especially for a guy like Jawan who here in his first couple starts, he's starting to turn it on last several games. So it's good to see, but, um, they made, they made their first substitution, probably the sixth man of the year will be Brian Trimble Jr. He comes in, we leave him open, gets a good look at a three, he nails it. But X answers him back and forth, eight to three. Then Mogbo gets a layup, makes it eight to five. Then all the way, we don't get a media timeout till 13-10. It was right after a Marcus Damask layup. It was 10 to five right then and there. Yeah, and the lead even got up to, I mean, yeah, we were just, our defense was great. I mean, you said it from the, yeah, there was a Clarence steal. There was a, you mentioned Jawan steal off the bat. see a Troy steal, a Dalton steal. They were turning it over. They were kind of playing that kind of, I wouldn't say undisciplined because they, you know, Dana's done a good job with them all year. There were stats that they, everybody on their team had started a game for them this year. Um, so they've kind of been mixing and mashing a little bit. So you question like the uh, chemistry maybe, but yeah, we did get a lot of steals, and it, you know, Lee got up, and Mogbo had a great game. He had a dunk in this game. It was hard to defend him. Clarence um, had difficulty guarding him, and Clarence had another rough game overall, but he, outside of the steal, didn't do a whole lot. Uh, you know, they weren't really crashing the boards like we knew they would, being the best offensive rebounding team, or second at least, and we were getting some defensive rebounds that were, weren't were giving them any second-chance you know, second looks. I mean, Clay. We'll get to Clay. Didn't do his best in this game, you know, the way he's been scoring uh, recently. Uh, but, yeah, Mogbo got a dunk. Damian Mayo came in, had a layup. There were some easy looks. We were letting them then over time here. Dalton came and hit a jumper, matched by Austin Mason, who came in and was really good for them as well. He had his own little 5-0 run. That made it a one-point game we were leading. And, I, you know, and that'll be one of the biggest things of this game is, and we tweeted about it, our ability to match them in this game. And we had some other SAU fans questioning because we mentioned – where I mentioned luck in one of the tweets because it seemed like we haven't been seeing this all year. As soon as – because this example here, as soon as Austin Mason made a three, Jawan answered him. As soon as Brian Trimble made a three, Lance answered him here when we were up by four at the 350 mark. And that was even out of a timeout after one of our timeouts too. And then 
think it was a Trimble. We were you you said it. He's probably going to win Sixth Man of the Year because he's scoring like heck. He's one of the best shooters in the league. And we were letting him get some easy looks. No, I think it was around this time, or close to this time at least. He had on um, heck. He had you know three straight. You know when he went, he had a nine zero run for them at this point. And you know there was a time when Marcus did get hurt in this in in this first half near the end of the first half with his ankle. Uh, and he and he remained in, but no, he was. We know the semi liability he already is defensively, and you could just tell they should have took him out at that moment because he allowed Trimble to hit a or to shoot a wide open three and with no contest missed it. You know they were getting a lot of most of their offensive rebounds were long rebounds, but he got it right back and shot a second one and made it. And I think you know that was whenever they were able to rally and he was able to hit a lot of his threes. And JD had a layup here near the end to cut at the three, but no, again. We haven't been, you know, matching teams as much offensively. You will see lulls that will allow them to go on runs or we'll go, you know, without us scoring. But we've seen that a lot this year. We're able to to do that pretty well here at the end of the first half. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, we haven't seen that um, a lot in recently um, with this team. Uh, we, can, we can go on our own little spurts and get a little bit of lead, but then there's a – five minute stretch of with us not scoring and we let them go on a little run. It's never, we haven't, we haven't seen much of back and forth like we did in this one. So um, yeah, when Marcus went down and just seeing him go down at any time and you just hold your breath and he was down for longer than he has uh, all year long. We know um, hurt his ankle, forget which game was earlier this year. Um, but yeah, they probably, sh- they should have taken him out there as long as he was down um, because he allowed that Trimble to get a good look. Then he got his own rebound and got a, even more than he nailed a three right then and there. So um, can't give a guy like that too many good looks. Yeah, I think one of the biggest takeaways of the first half was just, you know, letting them get easy looks from threes, you know, or like I said, off of long offensive rebounds that came right back to him for threes. That was really the only thing we were doing bad at that point. Because overall, we were doing pretty well, and it, it did affect Marcus, I would think. Because at the half, Lance had a shot that cut it, that made it a, a five-point lead at the half. Uh, Marcus was one for five. He did make one free throw, had two rebounds, only had three points, had one turnover. Clarence, all he did was a steal. Didn't shoot at all. Did have four rebounds, though, which were, I'd say, key rebounds. X went one of two, that jump shot. We'll talk about X. Incredible second half he had. He had three points at the half. Lance had five, and Jawan was leading us. Three of four shooting, two of two from three. He hit one of those bankers again. Um, but, yeah, he was key. He had eight points that led us. We did have uh, – how many is that? Five steals in half, which is nice, uh, thanks to Jawan, Lance, Clarence, Troy, and Dalton. And Troy, Noah, he's been on fire. He had – we, we talked about the, the quietest ten points against Evansville. He just looked, you know, at home offensively. Um he did have three. It was on a three. Uh, Dalton over two from three, but did have a shot, had two points. And then JD, six points, only had a rebound or two rebounds, excuse me, but had six points. Was really key off the bench. We'll dive into maybe potential of him maybe starting, um, you know, because he is playing the best of all the big Scotty. And Foster did not play in this game, say it now, which was strange. We talked about, you know, they can have lulls defensively. You know, they're a great defensive team, but if they lose a Foster in a corner or something, which I think they could have done, he could have done some good. and. We weren't. We were getting out rebounded only by two at half. So it's like, yeah, Scotty maybe doesn't need to come in. Even though I think you know, as soon as you put Scotty in, his energy and his size change a lot. 
clearly in the game, and the other team has to prepare for that on the fly, maybe, if they expect him to play or not. But they were barely shooting better than us at half. We had five more shots, and then both shot five of 15 from three. Only three total free throws in the first half. They were letting us play a little bit. Um, and then both had five assists, five steals. We did, as I said. Now, what else stuck out to you? Any Anything from the box score that, um, like I said, our, our bench is – I mean, Troy, J.D., and Dalton are – when you move Jawan to the starting five, not saying that's all we need. We need to – and this is the time of year, I guess, where you can trim your bench. But no, Troy, Troy, J.D., and Dalton are getting the job done off the bench. Yeah, absolutely. They were all huge. This was really the game of the supporting cast I was telling you about where your your supporting cast carried us mostly through this game, but our two stars closed it out. But in that first half, I mean, if you the stats are almost identical. I mean, like you said, five of fifteen both, but really the big one is two we only had two turnovers compared to their seven. So that gives us a couple extra possessions and we were able to execute and capitalize that and that's why you had a five point lead. Yeah, and even we mentioned how some of those threes could have been prevented. Other than that, we were playing pretty well um, with Marcus and Lance struggling. We'll get to that. When they're down, other guys have to step up. But, uh, you know, they cut it to three right at the start of the second half. X made a three to cut it back to five or cut it to – yeah, back to five. Uh, you know, this one ever Don – he was finished in and one when Clarence fouled him. And that was all – I think that might have been Don's first – field goal of the game or he might have had one in the first half it took him a while to get on the board uh finishing am one though Mogbo had a dunk that was matched by a Jawan jump shot mentioned how good Mogbo was in this game uh he'll be on he'll have some award by the end of this season there's no doubt about that he did go one of two from the line though that could have cut it to a one-point game he he's not the best free throw shooter so at the 16-26 mark we remained and had a two-point lead then there wasn't a whole lot of points at all until Dalton made two free throws and then he had a three of his own to cut it to seven at the 13-minute mark. Mogbo scored again. Marcus made a three. No, I remember tweeting at the time, and Marcus is still, you know, ankle or not, he was missing, you know, he's always been missing these key threes. And, no, we know Trent came in in this game, played a little bit, didn't do anything really, maybe had some key defensive uh, possessions on that side, but came in just to change some things up. We know they started Rafe Ayers, but he didn't, he didn't come back in after the first two or so minutes of the game. Um, but no, as soon as we saw this three hit by Marcus when we grabbed an eight point lead, the 12 minute mark had a feeling and they said on the broadcast, you know, when he starts making threes, you know, his confidence and we'll be rolling more as a team. And that's what happened. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when he sees one goes in, uh, I can imagine that, um, it's a good feeling because he's been struggling from deep recently. So it's good, good for him to get one to go. And, uh, yeah, I think this is by the stat sheet, that was the only stat Trent got on the board. He was, he actually drove this time and found a gap and kicked it out to Marcus wide open three. It was good to see him. I don't know exactly why him or Lance are struggling, but that, that shot right there, I texted you when it, when it happened, it, it was so smooth. There was no, sometimes him and Lance kind of get a hitch in their shot a little bit, but that was smooth catching rhythm, nailed it down. If he's catching in rhythm like that, he's going to make every one he takes. Yeah, and we don't know why we talk about how we don't run a whole lot of plays for shooters. We know Marcus is one of our best shooters in general. You know, get some more space. And, and you know, Missouri State got to a zone in the second half. So we maybe in the end of the first half, I don't I don't think so. But in the second half, they showed some zone, which allowed some of this openness. And, yeah, Marcus is getting wide open shots. He's been missing them. But, yeah, if he gets it in stride, kind of like the Oklahoma State game winner where 
he gets set separation from anywhere and he's able to knock it down. Uh, but yeah, with the zone and you mentioned, yeah, with him and Lance, we're down and yeah, they both if they both freely get threes up, then then I'd say ball game, but just in terms of them getting them playing well. But I mean JD even in this game was we know he's been struggling catching the ball, finishing the ball the last like two or so games even, but he was back to when he first got back and he was having some of his best games ever at SIU when he was catching the ball and finishing. And we just saw that at SEMO. We saw it against Drake and then didn't see it really until tonight. He was catching it. He was scoring it with ease. He was backing guys down and getting his hook shot. There was one point where he pump faked and got blocked near the end of the game and tried to do his reverse layup. He should have pump faked, I should say, uh, and then finished. But he did have a layup there. Mogbo went one of two, got from the line. There was a fouls on JD, and those are obviously pretty – that was off the Mogbo offensive board. So, you know, he was just fighting like heck. But we'll live with those fouls when he's shooting them. So, did go one of two. Chance Moore, who finally got on the board, we know, like we said, we were scared of him when they first got him, and he's been off and on playing about 20 minutes. He is had been the leading scorer all season, but he didn't do a whole lot in this game. I don't know if he got really much of an opportunity, but he did make this three, cut up the three. So this one was getting – at the start of it getting a little dicey. Troy was getting – Troy's just, like I said, playing really well offensively. Had a layup here and went back to five. Then Lance hit this three, assisted by Marcus. This is one of Lance's first threes. Um, at the six forty nine mark, Noah, where he where he uh, where he cut it to eight, and then he had a second one, which that's when you know. I mean, X. I remember at the very start of the season, he was passing almost too much, and he was getting really deep into the paint and making like under the basket, you know, throws to the to the corner, which we hadn't seen in a while. X has been kind of up and down with certain things that he's done this year, uh, like in that regard. But Noah, he found Lance in the corner, and Lance hit that second three, and. It's funny, I was watching the game with my dad. I told you that, you know, it's a good thing he's making them, but it can be a bad thing because that's how you know if, if he's making them, he's going to keep shooting them. And we've talked about how he can shoot us out of a game, and thankfully it wasn't in this one. He was passing up a little bit. More of those shots that he would usually take, thankfully. But, no, I mean, X got deep, found him in the corner, and Lance had a little bit of celebratory after that when there were still a little under six minutes left. But we did grab an 11-point lead at that time, which was huge. But then we gave up points on the other end. Take us out here. Yeah, I don't know exactly. I just remember you at one time uh, texting me that uh, I think the radio t- Twitter account put dagger or something, and uh, you knew it wasn't quite over. There was a lot to go. Um, but, yeah, seeing him get some threes off, I mean, it was same spot, exact. Um, there were two big threes to get us going, but after those threes, uh, Mayo got a layup. It was a good backdoor cut. They took a timeout. X had a – Layup out of that timeout. Clay answered that. Damas got a jumper to answer that one. So a little bit back and forth here. Um, it was a 10-point lead. Uh, it got cut down to eight at 3.06 mark. Well, Austin Mason got to the line, um, cut it down to eight. Then uh, Donovan Clay um, got to the line again after uh, they – this is where – they started hacking JD to get him shoot free throws. Missed obviously the first one in the front end, the one and one. Then Lance fouled Clay, cut it down to seven after making both his free throws. Um, Marcus got two free throws, put us back up nine. Clay entered with a jumper, back to seven. Um, then we turned it over. Marcus had another bad turnover. Mogbo um, cut it to five with one twenty four left. So it was uh, starting to. Not to get too nervous, but it was crunch time. Had to get to the line. 
Lance missed a big three. I thought he could have decided to take a different shot here. Um, they went under it, which is kind it can be smart, but if he's he had already hit two, so you might want to not go under this one. He did. Thought he could have drove got down the hill and maybe got to the line. Missed it. Kendall Moore hadn't heard his name all game. He hits a three to cut it to two with 42 seconds left. And right then and there, it, the game wasn't over. We knew exactly. We always see this. We always feel this way when people talk about daggers. We know we know something bad's coming. So um, we know who to blame in that case. Yeah, again, I hated it. And it's not like Saluki Radio to post that. I mean, no lead is safe on the road in general and a place where they shoot well. And you were going through some of that there. And, you know, X at that one point before he hit this massive shot, he did have a, a scoop left-handed layup, which we've seen him do a couple times this year. But in the moment, you know, to kind of, uh, you know, stop a little bit of a run. You mentioned some free throws they were they were making. Um if I could find it here, I thought a lot. He did have it, yeah. Then that was at the five minute mark, but it was just whenever they, you know, and cut it to nine. But we needed, you know, after they would score, and we mentioned the the ability to match. So Lance's three led to a Mayo layup, and then that's when X had that scoop layup to give us that eleven point lead. Yeah, but then Clay had that layup. You said Marcus. I mean, it was kind of, and Marcus was able to get deep here and hit this jump shot. There were points when he was getting deep, trying to and not shooting the jump shot like he did here compared to because he was shooting with his off hand and it wasn't going in it's like you just shoot it you don't need to you know do those kind of floaters with your off hand but yeah that x shot with that x layup was massive you're right you mentioned you know free throws along the way and then it got to that point after that Kendall Moore three yes and we called a timeout got it across half court took up almost all the shot clock and we tweeted it as soon as it happened because it's at the end of shot clocks or or whenever and Xavier makes a shot we've never really seen him take from the mid-range. It was just a pull-up, last second end of the shot clock, uh, 18 seconds left on the game clock. Made a jumper. It was by far one of the – we know Marcus against Oklahoma State and against Drake. This is right up there with that shot to – because if we miss it, they go down. You know, they And they had a timeout. They called it at some point. But uh, just the fact that, you know, the momentum was on their side as soon as – because that was, that was a huge three. We kind of went – I don't remember how it happened. Clay found him and he hit a semi deep one, which, yeah. And then we had to, we had to settle down. And then X, I said, take a bow because that was just an unreal. And I, I honestly, because the angle of the arena from the camera and the angle he did when he shot it, his pull up weird jumper, as we know, when he has the arc on. And I kind of had, it looked like it was going in. So as soon as it, you know, it was halfway in the air, I said, that, that's in. And he made it, and it was unbelievably clutch shot. Cut it to four. They call a timeout, go down, uh, miss a jumper. We get the rebound. So I think for that reason, because we talk about you know how our stars were struggling in, in the in the stat sheet and points wise, total points maybe not as much, but we can say that Xavier because of that layup and definitely that shot on his ten points, two four or six from the field, two or four from three was the dog of the game for that reason. No, let's dive into this box score and this four point win. Um, yeah, X, 31 minutes. Good. That's a good amount of minutes for him. He needs to play that many. We know him and him and Dalton don't ever really play together at any point. So when Dalton's in, X is usually out. Did have, I said, 10 points, two assists with that as well. Clutch as heck. Marcus, 34 minutes. We mentioned his bum ankle. They did get him. I remember they took him out at a good time in the first half, but it was kind of like, I think it was like the seven-minute mark left. So it was a good break for like a minute and a half. And obviously he – 
didn't play six minutes, but he was three of 12, one of five from three, mentioned that one big three. He had perfect from the free throw line, four rebounds, two assists. They'd have three turnovers you mentioned near the end there. Could have been crucial, a really bad one. He's just trying to force passes in where it doesn't need to be. Uh, he had 10 points, and then Lance Lettuce with 11, had four of 12 shooting for him, three of nine from, from three, two assists, and then a turnover and a rebound. And then Jawan, we mentioned he's had 21 now the last two games. He had 11 last game, 10 this game, six rebounds with those 10 points and assists, a steal, four offensive rebounds. And that by far led the team. He had four. J.D. and Troy had two apiece. Usually Troy and J.D. are batting it back to give us those extra extra possessions. But, no, when, when Jawan jumps, I mean, he's – we mentioned the dunk against Indiana State. His athleticism is still there because he's jumping up really high to get these and saving more possessions as well. That's how you know Jawan's playing at his best. And um, along with his scoring, we talked about how key he is and him joining the starting five has – done him wonders but I know I think this is the first game all year we've had four of our five starters getting double figures it is only 10 10 11 and 10 but you also get uh 20 from your bench you know what what stuck out to you here like I said whenever our stars and you tweeted this to me and it gave us the idea on the final tweet it's true and the stars struggle others stepped up and that's what they did that's what that's what makes a great team yeah absolutely this is what's starting to solidify this team and in the direction it wants to go to and put its stamp on the season. Um, I mean, if, if we were going into this game and I told you, well, Marcus and Lance only going to combine for 21 points, you would have said, well, it's not going to be a good night for us because we need one of them to have 21 points, not combined, but having these guys step up. I mean, Clarence didn't even attempt a shot in this one, only played 14 minutes, um, did have three fouls, got a little bit of, do not know what's going on with his offense production. Um, don't know exactly. Teams are adjusted on the ball screen situation, or he's not really. I mean, we did a little bit with JD. We gave JD the ball, and JD was making hook shots, but you never see Clarence get actually a post touch or anything. If he's scoring, it's offense rebound or um, off a ball screen or a slip. So don't exactly know what's going on with, but yeah, those guys stepping up. I mean, getting eight off your bench getting eight from JD eight and seven rebounds from JD seven points from Dalton um, and then five and four rebounds from Troy. I mean, those three, you can't ask much for them from those guys. So um was surprised you didn't see Scotty in this game. I thought his physical presence could have matched a Mogbo who was very good. I mean, 14, 11 for a guy like that. Um, really good. He'll have another year. So we'll get to see him again next year and, here in a couple of weeks, but um, yeah, like, like, like I said, I mean, the two guys closed it out for us a little bit with X's help with his last shot, but um, that supporting cast is the one that showed up and won this game for us. Yes. And even, you know, we know they don't have Carper. They don't have Matthew Lee. Matthew Lee was Dana said he's going to be a huge part of their team this year. Uh, and then obviously Carper is just that presence, which Scotty could have matched if he played. So if they would have had both those guys, which I don't, neither of them are going to play again the rest of the year, then they'd be even more lethal and they'd be even more deep than they already are. But yeah, and, and Clarence is, he's just, he, he's not as big. He's not as strong. He is more of like the, you know, he's, he seems like clearly he's more athletic and it is, he does thrive off those slips. He thrives off great passes. But we know he can finish. He likes to pump fake and finish around the rim. Yeah, 
Exactly. That's what we've been talking about. They're either guarding him better. They're guarding him. I don't know. I don't know what it is. We know when he when if he gets it in the paint, he's spin move baseline. Teams maybe shutting that off, but we're not really giving him the chance there. Yeah, he's he seems like he's he's a perfect trailer who can spot up a three. We know he's only took like five threes this season. I wish he would take more, only in the right moment. But that seems like just the kind of you know athletic four man that he really is that he can do. But JD uses the strength to get in. And it's sad because I think, you know, we've talked about, you know, JD's fit just because of what else we've had. And I feel bad because I feel like at times we've taken him for granted because, but we did say like once he comes in here, his energy and his veteran, you know, veteran leadership on the floor there, his ability to rebound and stuff, it could pay dividends and be valuable, which that's exactly what he's showing. Uh, yeah, exactly. And when, when X and uh, Jawan are able to score for us, that's a great sign. But I do agree. Clarence should. Crack the starting five because, you know, I mean, going back, I want to say the only – the last game, good game that he had was at Murray State, which obviously was near the end of the year. So 2023 hasn't really been too kind for Clarence. I think he'd had three points in a game since then. Some games he's pulling a trend. He's not scoring at all. Need him to do more. But we are getting by with him doing this. So I, I guess that's really all that matters. Definitely need some more production. Though. But, yeah, that, that trio of Troy, J.D., and Dalton off the bench – have been fantastic and you add a foster and scotty which regularly we we know that those two are going to crack it if trent's out of the rotation i mean seven minutes did have the assist nothing else that's a good like 10 man and we know that can be 11 with trent but we'll see more of scotty and foster surely over time murray with dj burns we'll talk about you hopefully you can see scotty so it's all a wait and see but definitely an overall great Great dub. Some of the team stats here. I mentioned how we started 2 of 11, ended 8 of 15 from 3. I said we were. We were 10 of 26, which was 39%, which is not which is about average. We know we had been in the low 30s or, um, you know, late 20s in some games, and that's kind of how we are on the season. Only shot six free throws. They went 7 of 12. Uh, they went 8 of 24 from 3, which isn't great. Uh, and they did out-rebound us. That was one of the things, Noah, we noticed in the, in the keys to the game. That wasn't a key to the game. We were like, that's maybe the biggest one of all is being able to rebound. And they did out-rebound us. They had 15 offensive boards. Mentioned how a lot of those were on long, long offensive boards. Only had one more defensive uh, rebound than us. But Noah, again, another game under 10 turnovers. I want to know what our stat is. If we'd only turn it over 10 or less times, which has happened at least five times now since, you know, maybe at the very end of the year into the new year. I want to know what our record is. It's pretty good. I mean, we've won like 11 of 12 anyway, so that speaks for itself. You know, what else stuck out to you here in this in this dub before I get some quotes? I mean, yeah, obviously we've talked about the overall team effort and uh, finish this one. able. Obviously we got to – I think we need to get to the free throw line more. I mean, there was not a lot of fouls called in this game. Uh, we talked about how quickly uh, the first half went, but just – Need to. I would like to see Scotty and maybe Foster in this one. I thought you could have maybe snuck Foster in the lineup when they went zone because we kind of struggled. Brian talked about that. Um, they haven't really ran much of a zone offense with uh, Troy in there as a big man, so uh, that that halted our offense a little bit. But we were able to finish off nicely. So um, good win gets us off to our best start um, since. Uh, the 22 win season under Barry Henson. Um, I think it, I think in the first 21 games, we started 18 and three that year. So um, off to, it's a good start. Um, I know we 
at the beginning of the year or preseason, we set the over under at 18 and a half. So we're almost there. We got a chance to get to the 18 this week. So we just got to keep on battling. Um, the effort we got from the guys, if the defensive effort is there, uh, we have a chance to win any game we're in. So another big win, a road win where a team that just came off the sweep of Drake. So that's a big one. And, uh, didn't get a lot of help over the weekend, but interesting weekend of val- uh, Valley hoops, but big win for us on the road. Yeah, just to, you know, the fact that we're able to get these road dubs, because if you can win at home and we're nine and one at home, and now that we look, you know, what what our road record is, I mean, just getting a road kill like this goes a long way. And thinking about some of our, our road kills this year, you know, we know we started at Evansville. That one doesn't mean a whole lot, but we know we won. Lost at you and I. We won at Murray, broke their 20-game home winning streak, won at Indiana State to start the schneid for them. And then now we have this one. And we never really – we never trailed in this Missouri State game, which is crazy. We know at most of those other games, and a lot of them, outside of Evansville, you know, we had – we mentioned well, we need our second-half magic here to, you know, solidify this game for us. And usually that only happens if we have a – if we're down at the half, and that hasn't happened the last two, hoping, hoping that can remain. Uh, we shall see, but yeah, some quotes here from Brian. <clears throat> he said, um, I guess there's one nothing. I thought he had quotes on this, but we know how important I think he, he established on the post game how important that was. So, nothing there actually. And it's just some smaller takeaways we had here. I mentioned how we're doing the same thing, unlike last or unlike last season of beating good teams at home and on the road. We know, it, like we said, didn't beat the top half because we couldn't win a third place. We're, we won against the top half, a lot of the top half on the road besides you and I. That one still – that one hurts us because we see what everyone else is doing at their place. And then we mentioned how already won as many games as last year with 10 left to go. I mean, Lance locked up Donovan Clay in this game. Uh, really, no, I mean, we saw some rankings earlier – about you know some people's predictions for certain awards and Lance was on there and it's like yeah no brainer defensive player of the year or top finalist because he's he's locked up Tucker DeVries he's locked up Donovan Clay we know he the numbers he put up against Rob Perry in the last matchup Rob was making a lot of touch shots but he's just doing it consistently all season long and he's leading the league in steals so anything else to solidify and it's good to see us not carry over the sloppy game that was last game um, and we mentioned um, it was probably Jawan's best offensive two-game stretch of the season, not even close. So those are the major takeaways on this. Um, so now, Noah, let's let's dive into what uh, – or real fast, sorry. Let me let – me, we have a stats update from Mike on some of these. Lance is on pace for fifth in career steals, Mike thinks, by the end of the regular season. That means he would have to hit at least 10 more. To, to get in the five spot to pass Sterling Mahan, he will remain that way. I mean, we wouldn't put it past him to get about 25 more steals, I guess, uh, to get up there with Stetson Harrison, who's fourth on the list. Uh, Lance is now nine points away from passing Rick Shipley for 20th all-time. Marcus, we know, passed Shane. He's only six points behind Wayne Abrams now and behind Greg Sterrick. Greg did it, and 65 career games, 1,400 points back then, which is crazy. Career three-pointers, we know Lance is on here. Marcus is, too. We know the, sh- the shots Lance has been putting up is crazy. Uh, so that's that, Noah. Dive into now just the recent games, what happened, and then we'll dive into where the standings lie and some more probabilities and everything else. Yeah, there was some uh, really good basketball this week in the Valley. I mean, 
starting off with you and I went up to UIC, um, got to see a really good game. Um, potentially the freshman of the year, people think, and Michael Duox led the way for you and I. 21 points and 11 rebounds. Um, Panthers get it done on the road, 78-72. Bowen Bourne had 18. Titan Anderson had 17-8. and eight. So both of those guys continue their strong seasons um, for the Flames. Trey Anderson, 27 points in this one, 9 of 13 shooting, 6 of 7 from 3. Jace Carter also had 20 and 6. 12 and 8 for Toby Akani. So, um, was a really good day, game there to start off, other than our game that started at one as well. Um, Drake went to Evansville 97 61. No surprises there. Uh, 23 points led the way for Tucker DeVries. Um, Roman Penn in this one 13 points, 18 assists. So, um, we got to see in person, um, what Slew's guard did to us. So, uh, imagining that self felt the same way for Evansville, Evan, Evanville side um, leading the way was Strawbridge with 12 and Toomey also had 12. So they had a little bit of balanced scoring. They're still winless. No surprises there. Indiana state went on the road down to Murray 82 73 win for the racers. Brian Moore led the way for the racers in this one, 19 points. Uh, Macaulay had 19 for the trees, but uh, trees continue to slide just like we predicted, and it's not going to get easy, any easier this week um, with the two games they have. So interesting there to see what happens to them. Nobody really believed in them at 6-0. and So um, then the other game that night, Valpo goes on the road and beats Illinois State by 20, 71-51. Um, I felt like they could go on the road and this, win this one. They're on a win streak now. Um, the newcomer of the week, Quentin Green, 26 points um, to to uh, burn the Redbirds. Kobe King had 15. Um, Cricky only 10 and 8 in this one. Nick Edwards also had 10 and 7 assists. Uh, Burford had 23 on the Redbirds side. So a couple blowouts, but other than that, there's some really good basketball this weekend in the Valley. I was going to say, you forgot a game and one was one of the best games. Oh, yeah. Two points. Two-point win, Belmont at Bradley. We were watching that from the get-go. Bradley looked high and mighty near the end. I mean, there was a lot of back and forth in that place where they held the third longest home winning streak of the year. I mean, great game. Freiburg hitting that three to, to tie it, and then Ben Shepard, Noah, hitting that getting hit. Point total of 23 on the game. He, he struggled from three, but, no, it's all that matters when your best player shines bright. People don't think Ben Shepard can do anything under the bright lights of a game, but incredible performance in 37 minutes for him on that tough shot. But, again, it was thanks to Freiburg with that with that huge three. He only shoot threes. He was five of nine from three in this game. Had 15 points, him and Kate Tyson. Um, and then uh, what's his name? Jock, Jock Pacek? Had hadn't done anything all year, point like points wise. Can't remember if he played against us. Probably did. Had ten points to help the cause as well. We Rink had twenty three and eleven. Malevi twelve and ten. Jay Sean fourteen. A down game for Zeke off the bench, and they had Hickman, Dean, and Hannah get a combined fifteen. So, I mean, obviously with that kind of production from everywhere, with three guys in double figures, they were still almost able to get the job done. Before from the Bruins and Noah, one of the, one of the top games, obviously of the day and Belmont sweeping Bradley goes a long way. And we didn't know exactly who we wanted to win. We know we'd still have the tiebreaker with Belmont at top, but we knew if Bradley won, they'd be, they'd be on our heels. We could be at 
all alone at first. But you mentioned some of those other games. If Anderson's scoring 27 from UIC, it's literally him, Carter, or Okani dropping 25 or more at any point. That's why it's shocking that they can't win games, I guess, because I think Lajakovic was asked earlier about those guys as – you know, how they play so much and that, but he pretty much said that they have to because everyone else is too young. Uh, yeah, you mentioned, I thought Evansville had an early lead on them in that game, which they did, and then Drake pulled away. You mentioned Roman Penn, who had one of – that is what he does best. He He's a playmaker and gets assists. Uh, and then you mentioned uh, – I'm pretty sure in that Indiana State game, Noah, outside of McCauley's three-point shooting, they were 0 of 20 as a team. So that's never going to win you anything. That sounds like something we would do. Uh, and then you mentioned, yeah, Illinois State. You're right. We both picked Valpo because they're riding high and they're beating some of the other bad teams. But they're showing, obviously, they're not the worst. They're not a, top, a bottom three team. Uh, they're playing well, led by the guys. And Illinois State dropping that 20-pointer at home is shocking. We'll see them next weekend, next Sunday at Redbird Arena or whatever it's called now. So, Noah, with these games, I said two on the week now, finished with a new stretch of games. Like I said, that we'll cover on tomorrow and Wednesday, but how are the standings looking? Yeah, uh, right now the standings, um, obviously we're on top because we have the tiebreaker. Wilt Belmont, 8-2, and two, us and Belmont at the top. Then you and I is on their own right now, 7-3. and three. Then you have a group of 6-4 and four teams. Drake, Indiana State, Bradley, Murray State, Missouri State, all 6-4. and four. Then Valpo and Illinois State. Um, Valpo's coming from the bottom of the league here, win three in a row here um, to get out of that bottom three spot. UIC is at one and nine, then Evansville still winless at 0-10 and 4-17 and on the year. It's crazy. And we talked about the OVC, I think, has six teams at the top at five and three. So we have five ourselves in the middle there at six and four. Shows you how bottom feeding when one and 19, the bottom teams are, that something like this is going to happen. But you're right. You and I just, you know, right in the ship and at third, they're all alone, as you said. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're steady and they're not going to, you know, we, you know, they have another favorable matchup we'll get to, you know, this week for them. They can just keep riding. And they're, we thought the UIC could have won that home game and they almost did. But you and I is really good down the stretch of games and able to finish them. And, and before we get into the scene probabilities, People were figured out of what Arch Madness, if it if it ended today, what it would be like and what the matchups would be. Uh, and that, if I could find it here, unless you have it, we obviously we'd be the one seed. Uh, and we would get the winner of Missouri State, the eight, Valpo, the nine, Bradley, the five, and Evansville, the 12. Winner gets Drake at the four. Murray at the seven seed facing uh, Illinois State. Winner gets Northern Iowa at three. Indiana State, the six, facing the 11 UIC winner gets the two Belmont. And know your thoughts on that and the potential matchup. And we talked about how if we were to get the one, you know, if we win the regular season, get the one seed, if we right ship 10 more games and get it done, we'd almost feel like we'd rather play anybody. Obviously, you want to have more favorable matchups being the team with the bye and the top seed. But your thoughts on what these matchups could be if you wanted to change and then dive into the probabilities. Yeah, obviously, I mean, getting probably Missouri State that beats Valpo. Um, just as many as threes. If Missouri State got hot, you'd have to probably could run out of problem there. But um, if you go ahead and sweep them the rest of the way and finish the top, wouldn't be worried there. But, yeah, the, obviously getting the winner of Bradley Drake would be interesting. Um, if Drake was would be able to escape that one, do they have enough legs with the limited amount of bench they play? Um, 
to play another full 40 minute 40 minute game against our defense um i'd be okay with that so gonna be interesting i think at the bottom is going to be interesting because i think murray state could they have the ability um to make some noise down there same with indiana state so be interesting then probabilities um matt hackman came out today um we have the highest percentage for one at 38 percent um, followed by Belmont with 35%. Our two seed is 23%, um, 16 for three, and 10% for four, down to a 6% chance for fifth, four for six, and um, two for seventh, and 1%. So looking good to get a buy of the top four seed. But um, according to his simulations, the rankings would have Belmont as the one, which is weird because – we have the higher percentage. It's like 0.3 difference. We would be Belmont would be the one. We would be the two. Bradley the three. Drake the four. Um, Indiana State the five, which is shocking on the streak they're on. Missouri State the six. You and I seven. Murray State eight, and uh, the bottom um, would be Valpo at nine. Then Illinois State, UIC, Evansville. So. Interesting probabilities. It's crazy that a lot of I've seen people um, questioning in the bottom that SIU has most finishes, but Belmont has expected more wit, expected more wins the rest of the way out. Hackman did say he assumes that's mostly related to SIU having the head-to-head win with no return game. So um, interesting. It's going to come down to maybe us two, but the percentages are that close. Yeah, and even people are talking about maybe why it's, you know, why we wouldn't be at the top because, you know, Bradley, we haven't played them twice, and the fact that they're like a top-tier team and taking that new account, and again, it's just weird how the schedule made it that way. We know we play them on the first of the month and near the end. Uh, But speaking of those, because you mentioned you and I projected seventh, which is crazy. I feel like they're not getting the respect, but we talked about, you know, they've had some favorable, you know, we know they beat us. They barely lost to Belmont recently. Uh, and, but it says, I mean, there was a, a stat with obviously some, some games and we have easiest schedules the rest of the way is us and Bradley, uh, according to obviously how things have played out to this point, the hardest schedules is you and I and Drake, the Iowa teams. And that that's where it'll tie in if you and I is the team that they're playing to be once they get these final 10 and with these other tough matchups. Uh, so that'll be interesting quickly a net update. For us, um, we are now 106, still behind Drake and Bradley. Bradley moved down a little bit to 76, Drake at 91. And Mike had a, a post about the net, the quad one, and quad two records. No, we're one to know against quad one. We know it's it's crazy because thinking of, of some of these and some of the wins, we know Missouri State uh, or Murray State beat uh, A&M, and then we know uh, what, what was the other big win somebody got? What am I thinking here? Drake beat Mississippi um, State, I think. Yeah, so those are the two. And so quad one wins and losses. It doesn't even have them. For Bradley's 0-3, we're 1-0 against Oklahoma State. So they don't even tie that in. I guess those aren't quad one victories for them, which is crazy. We have the only quad one win of anybody. Quad two wins, we're 2-2. Two and two. We know, what is that? Uh, Cal Baptist. Well, I don't think, well, Cal Baptist, yeah, they would fall into quad two with um, who else would fall? Maybe one of the other Valley. Belmont, I guess, would the other quad two win, and then you got the two losses of UNLV and SLU. But the other I mean, one and five, Drake is against quad two, two and three, Bradley, 
that we have the only 500 or better record and three and two, which is the best overall between the two, which is crazy. Then we know our resume. Think about how close some of those games would have been against Sulu and UNLV to win to, to enhance it even more. And we know our bad loss against USI. But other than that, we've had the best resume to this point, which is kind of crazy. We know, and I'll just I'll say it, Oklahoma State did beat Iowa State, who was ranked 12th this week. They're at Texas this week. The more good wins that they get obviously help us. If they can get into the top 25 and get back in the tournament picture at a decent seat, that can do well for us at any postseason potential down the stretch, hoping they can get in there. That'll look like the best Power 5 win on the season for us, so – uh no we know the monday teleconference came out today uh finally like we said not a whole lot to take from it we just enjoy listening to it and that being said no we mentioned all the new brackets it's monday we're going to see a bunch of them dive into most of them and we know some that just came out as we started this uh started this pod go ahead and talk about those and we'll get into the other big ones yeah uh, rocco miller's just came out um he has us um he's he's Rocco Miller has been the only one on SIU all year out of anybody in the media. Um, he has us as a 13 seed playing four seeded Xavier. Um, that'd be an interesting matchup. Um, haven't seen a lot of Xavier basketball this year. Um, but 13 seed is where I want to be a 13. If we can get up to that 12 line, it would be interesting. Then Rocco is part of the uh, field of 68. They have a little mock committee and they made one. They have us as a 13 seed playing four seeded UConn. Um, that's probably the worst matchup based one I've seen. Um, I would not want to play UConn in that one. Um, uh, the stadium one today, uh, another matchup I wouldn't want to see had us fallen down to a 14 seed playing Texas. So um, we know Texas has got a lot of talent. That'd be an interesting one there. Um, then just some other ones. Uh, we know Andy Katz is all aboard the uh, Belmont Bruins bandwagon. Um, he had them in over us. So um, a lot going on. Lenardi hasn't updated his. I looked earlier today. Um, expecting one probably next time we have a pod, he'll have an updated bracketology. Yeah, I know. He does seem – Andy doesn't really give – and he knows Belmont just because they've been in the tournament. He knows us too. And we, we talked about how he was talking to Dana Ford earlier. It's like, why? Talk, how about you talk to Casey Alexander and or Brian Mullins leading the league? He'll do it week by week, and they'll get he'll get to Brian at some point. But, yeah. I mean, the stadium won us falling. We, you know, tweeted that maybe somebody entered, uh, you know, entered the bracket to where it's just an extra spot. So you just move someone like us down. That could be the only thing because Texas would be an awful matchup for us. They're just really good, clearly. Uh but I was just looking because I don't think it was on their other one. We know Indiana, uh, Indiana entered the or they had huge wins against our Illini and then another one. They've been playing really well. Maybe they pushed in here. They're a ten seed now, which seems about perfect for them. So we know some of the other mid majors on the country. Yeah, thirteen seems like what we would do, and uh, uh, just the fact that you know, like we said, we're probably not going to get over twelve. Some other ones here. Uh, Brad Watchtel, if that's how you pronounce it, some random guy Rocco follows him, so he he does these brackets as well. He has us as a um, I thought I had it on here. He had us as a I lost it. Where's it at? A thirteen facing TCU. We know some of us that had or some of them had had us against TCU. Um, uh, and then you mentioned the field of sixty eight. 
Yes, UConn would be an awful matchup for us, honestly. They have way too much size. And then I think there was another one that had uh, us playing Marquette as a 13 seed, which is, you know, that's a reasonable matchup. We know they're really good in the Big East right now. No, Nothing would be easy, clearly, but we can pick and choose knowing what teams or whatever. Xavier's having a good year with Sean Miller leading him. But, yeah, so we would be able to pick and choose which ones are more favorable. And Noah, uh, Rocco Miller, there was also a – uh, mid-major top 25, which has us in the top 10, I believe. Yes, it does. It, we are we moved up to ninth. Um, I think we were 10 last week, so moving up to ninth in the mid-major top 25. Other Valley schools, uh, Belmont was unranked last week. They've moved up to 16. Drake falls from 5 to 17. Um, so those are other two Valley schools. Um, interesting to see. Um only two valid coaches on that voting panel, which are Casey Alexander and Josh Shirt. So, not sure how you, how you get on a voting panel for the mid-major top twenty-five. But um, moving up to ninth, and I was going to mention, um, we're I think we were one sixteen last week. We're up to one fourteen in Ken Palm. I know we've Ken Palm's metrics don't like us very much, but other Valley schools ahead of us: Drake at eighty-nine, um, then Bradley at eighty-five. So up a little bit there but good to see us rising in the mid-major 25 hope or yeah mid-major top 25 hopefully um teams like marshall oral roberts uc santa barbara louisiana lafayette kent state st mary's charleston we know is highly rated and obviously gonzaga yeah it's cool that's by far i mean the big we know we we don't freak out but we see like top 25s when SIU football is on there we never see SIU basketball on anything that we've been talking about, but even in the mid-major 25, which is by just, you know, people who aren't like the ultimate whatever, but it still is definitely cool to see. And again, we're setting ourselves up to, because a lot of these other mid-majors who are like this, if they don't get in the tournament, they're looking pretty good for NIT seeding and stuff. So seeing a team up that high mid-major usually means good news, but again, with 10 games left, I want to get ahead of ourselves, but knowing that we're setting ourselves up here. Rocco, you mentioned, yeah, he had us as a 12 to start the year. We thought he was crazy. We thought whenever we were hitting some some bad moments that it's like, why is this guy so high on us? And we talked about how he's almost never wrong when he does his brackets and his, you know, who, what he thinks of certain teams. And hopefully he ends up right by the end of it. He has a six in, the, in his second tier of uh, mid-majors behind all those teams that are probably going to make the tournament. Chris Payton and Kent State uh, is in there in the top four. They might make it and then has us at six, like we said, and then Belmont at 16. So, yeah, you're right. And if, as long as we can remain, and we appreciate Rocco a lot for believing in us, even at times when we didn't think we would when we were hit rough patches. Uh, so, again, that's good. I mean, Noah, we talked about we can maybe do a stats update to this point. We know who's doing what to an extent halfway through. A lot of led by Marcus, a lot of led by Lance, and then some guys are starting to get their averages up a little bit more. But we know, you know, as a team we're playing well, and like we said, our bench is contributing to a really nice level. Uh, so don't really – Nothing needs to fix. And no, I think the only thing, if you want to touch on anything that sticks out at the halfway mark of stats wise for us as a team or us as players, and you can dive in because I know you feel, which it definitely makes sense as to why, you know, with Clarence's production maybe going a little bit down, JD's going up, we can maybe see a starting five change. Yeah, obviously, uh, we've seen it happen with uh, Trent. I mean, obviously, he, Clarence hasn't been playing as bad as he was, but, um, yeah, maybe you see that, but maybe you want to ride. You want to the way things are rolling. You don't want to 
change anything right away because um, I believe it was uh, Paul Orn um, asking guys in the teleconference today about changing starting fives and what's the effect of that and stuff like that. But, yeah, I mean, Clarence, I mean, you've seen his numbers go down through the whole season. Um, he was averaging six and four, but down in, in conference play, um, he's down to down to about four and a half and three and a half rebounds. So numbers are down there. Um, but guys like obviously if Jawan's in the lineup, he's gonna get more looks than him. So not too concerned, but I would like to see Clarence start playing a little bit better basketball. But JD's been so so good with the energy off the bench. Um if we could add Scotty a little bit more in there, um, those three bigs rotation is gonna be really nice. But yeah, you could see where and the uptick, I mean, obviously, J.D. played 21 minutes off the bench the other night. Seeing it, you know he's going to be probably in the closing lineup unless we're up and we have to shoot free throws. So, J.D.'s energy off the bench has been a big boost. Maybe you don't want to mess any of that mojo up. You make a great point, though, because Jawan coming in with those offensive looks don't allow as much of the pick and roll to get Clarence's look. That's a great point because if you have Trent standing in the corner, there's a lot more that Clarence has to do, and Jawan does a lot more. I think that is the biggest thing, but Clarence was struggling a little bit even, you know, before Jawan got, but this is Jawan's at least fourth or fifth game in the starting lineup. So it, I think that's definitely the biggest thing. And, uh, you know, we know a move to the bench for Troy has done him wonders. So it could be the same with Clarence. I think we should see it just because it makes our bench even better with Clarence off the bench. Just even though the production with JD is better, it can just do some players, you know, wonders, uh, per se, but we're both thinking that we might not see it because I think over time we can, because if he's doing the whole not scoring thing like Trent was, you know, Clarence is obviously more than Trent, but and they finally made the move with Trent when we didn't think they would. So I think over time they could. I have to wait and see. But yeah, yeah, Marcus overall 17, 16.9 average on the season. He's leading us in all but steals category, which Lance is with two and Lance is averaging 14 a game. On 31 minutes, and Lance is shooting 37% from the field. Not ideal. The biggest thing, with and he's 28 from the three-point line. Marcus is 30, even though Lance, I think, has shot like 40 more threes, it seems like, uh, maybe more. But Lance is shooting 74 from the line, and that's we're shooting 74 as a team, which is good. We mentioned how we were fourth in the country in two-pointers. That's been our calling card at scoring 67 as a team. So, and 32 rebounds, which, you know, is still near the bottom. But we know we're up there in steals thanks to X and Lance and Jawan. So you mentioned the Hackamula that we did see. We haven't seen that, and that's something that Dana Ford would be the first one to do something like that with, but it hasn't really been warranted because we haven't – some people just don't see those kind of bigs in at that point in the game if you're that bad of a shooter. We know how important his defense was in that game. So uh, so now, no, quickly, I want to talk about the G League Salukis, what happened. I don't think Cash is honestly – because we haven't retweeted anything that he's been doing for them. Let's talk about he uh, – he did play five and a half minutes, had three points on Saturday. And then we talked about uh, Kavion's been doing a little bit more, though. Let me look at his score here. He, in 27 minutes, had 15 and six. Great game from Kavion. Hopefully, at some point, he gets the call up to the Nets if they really need it. They've been making a lot of those. Sunday, uh, neither of them played. And then, obviously, we got today. Uh, neither of them play as well, so they're getting some days. So let me go by the standings. I don't think we've gone by that. It's a whole group of standings in the G League. Uh, Windy City is four and seven, and uh, Long Island is ten and three, playing well. Kevion is. We know Javon Freeman Liberty's having thirty a game. It seems like for 
the Windy City Bulls. So there's an update on those guys. Not sure anything on Barrett, and we talked about Armand. So now let's talk about Kennard Davis. As we talked about, it was his birthday on Friday. He had a game that night against a nationally ranked opponent. And, no, we ended up finding out he got that dub. And I think there were some quotes from him after the game talking about it. We can dive into that stuff. And then another game that he has tonight. But that was a big win for him on his birthday. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, over a, a national powerhouse like Huntington Prep, um, Kennard did have 21 points, eight rebounds, four assists, and two two block shots. Um, Kennard said – um, after the game, going into the game, I knew I had to have a great game. It's my 18th birthday. It's a blessing. Some people don't get to live to 18. I came out playing aggressive. So another another win for Vashon. They've won four of its last six games. Um, so it's it's a big one. Um, he talked about – also he talked about he knows he has to make the right decision when they double-team him. So um, just another impressive outing for um, – our, our loan commitment for this class, Canard, uh, it's really great. I mean, I think he was asked um, also about celebrating celebrating his birthday. He said, I'm strictly – he said something like, I'm strictly business. It would have to wait. Um, he was ready to win his game on his birthday. He said he might do something um, on Sunday. So another big win. They got a big one tonight. Yeah, they do. And that was a great point you made that some that stuck out to us about that was the fact that he said, you know, my celebrate my birthday another time, uh, focusing on wins and getting the stretch here. Because, yeah, you said that they do have a big one tonight. It had their record. I mean, there was a like a power rankings of like lower tier St. Louis teams. They were number one on there, though, of uh, power rankings, small school top 10. They're nine and seven on the year ahead of Cardinal Ritter. Uh and, yes, the game tonight against Solden International Studies, 6 o'clock game. Hopefully, obviously, if we see anything, we'll retweet it and we'll talk about it on the next one late in the week because we know we have a Sunday game next, so a lot of time in between. Uh, but we will talk about Kennard with that game, yeah. It's awesome, and he's been retweeting. He scored about 20 points. We know he's getting the rebounds and the, and the steals and doing everything that he uh, possibly can. And you're right, the lone the – lone, uh, um recruit that we have and it'll probably remain that way but like i said i think we're getting a steal here on this on him for sure so no let's dive in before we get into our game let's dive into the upcoming valley games and we'll get our picks because we do have spreads out before we talk about ours now i don't think ours is that all that surprising but it's uh it's definitely uh it's noteworthy i guess you could say so dive into the other ones first and we'll dive into our game yeah, uh, tomorrow night um, at 7 o'clock, uh, UIC goes on the road to play Missouri State. Um, 13 points favorites are the Missouri State Bears against UIC. I think that's an easy decision to take the plus 13. Um, I like the way UIC is playing. They're not getting a lot of wins, but I like their style of play, their defense, and I like um, the three-headed monster they got in Anderson, O'Connor, and Jace Carter. Um then at 8 o'clock on CBS Sports Network, the main game of the night, um, Drake Bulldogs are a six-point favorite against the Indiana State Sycamores. That is an interesting one. Um, like I said earlier, the trees are struggling, and 
it doesn't get any easier this week, especially on the road in Des Moines at Drake. And I think they host you and I this weekend. So does not get any easier for them. I don't expect them to win that one. Um, but we've seen last week, Drake is not unbeatable at home like we thought. Um, then on Wednesday night, Illinois State travels up um, to Bradley. That's a rivalry rivalry matchup. That's going to be a good one. Hopefully, um, Illinois State can keep that one close. But Illinois State got just beat by 20 at home to um, – Valpo, so don't expect anything close there. Valpo goes on the road to you and I. I think that's interesting. Valpo is one of the hottest teams in the league, playing really well um, on the road against a team that's no one's no one's given any really respect for. Um, they just keep winning. That's what Jacobson does. So um, expect you and I to win that one. Then Belmont on the road at Evansville. That's the first meeting. Um, Maybe uh, it's time for Evansville to get their first win. Don't expect them to, but anything can happen. It's the Valley, so a lot of good matchups. We know um, tomorrow night, Indiana State and Drake is the biggest matchup of the week. So um, what are your takeaways on this week's – this middle-of-the-week games? Yeah, I mean, I think we recall Missouri State killed the UIC in their first matchup you know, at the end of November, I think they said it was. So it's their first matchup in a long time. It seemed like UIC, even with their one and nine record, has gotten better, to the, you know, since then. And we know Missouri State's remained the same with some injuries off and on. 13 is just way too much. The UIC is definitely covering that. Whether they win or not, I don't know. But they match up pretty well athletically. And yeah, UIC's got that three-headed monster. Missouri State has a consistent maybe two-headed, three-headed monster if you count Trimble. Mogbo and Clay, the other guys fill in occasionally, but UIC's got a better trio pound for pound. I'd say plus 13, and I might take – I don't know if I'll take them to win, like I said, but they'll definitely cover 13. That's way too much, and then you mentioned the game. Six points for Drake. I think Indiana State can play it close at times, but you're right. In this in this avalanche they've hit, I don't I definitely don't think they'll win. Watch, this will be the game that, that you know, kills their losing streak is this win at Drake. Don't think it'll happen. I think Drake will cover the six for sure, and then Wednesday – yeah, I mean, Valpo's riding high. We know how you and I plays at home. I think it's a pink out for cancer that they're doing, so they'll feed off of that more. I think Valpo lose. We don't know the spreads of these games clearly for Wednesday, but the you and I gets that home win, and then Belmont and Bradley aren't losing. Yeah, it'd be a great back-to-back road or home losses for Bradley. Illinois State's not happening. Be interesting in that I-74 rivalry. And then, yeah, Belmont's going to kill Evansville. Evansville is not going to – I wonder what their margin of loss is going to be at their home games. We beat them by 27. Drake beat them by 35 or whatever. And then Belmont will beat them by that bad as well. Casey Alexander was asked, yeah, we treat every team the same. And I can believe you to an extent, but you know you should go in there and dominate. But, yeah, we'll be rooting for Evansville in that game hardcore. So, now, no, let's talk about our game tomorrow, our second matchup with the Racers. We recall beating them at their place, like we said, snapping – their 20-game home winning streak. Some more about this matchup. We are, we know the series was tied in 19 to 19 before our previous game. Now we're leading the series 20 to 19. We've split the last two games with them now after our six-point win at their place. Uh, and at that time, they had the seventh longest in the nation. So obviously, come off a huge win. That was the win that propelled us. We know we just escaped the SEMO win. Where we thought we were not at our lowest, but it was like, okay, yeah, this is probably the last of the lowest hopefully we get this year. And then it sparked this streak that we've gone on to this point. Uh, you know, Steve Prom gave us some praise 
Crone gave us some praise in the uh, teleconference about how, how well we're playing. He said he just recalls, you know, this is the best we've been under Brian, the best we've been in a while. He talked about when he was an assistant at Murray when he got there. We know the Matt Shaw reference he made the, before the first match of him diving into the bench, but he said this is the best, arguably, that SIU's been since Brian was a player. We know some great years uh, regular like regular season wise and everything that Barry had in some years, but obviously this definitely is one of the best seasons we've had in a long time. He said that giving us some high praise, but no, we'll get into their personnel again and what they've. You can start off with what they've done since we last beat them. We know they've had some rocky road, but we recalled a player that didn't play against this last year, one that we know pretty well. He replaces someone that did play against this last time, so they're losing one and gaining one, vice versa. Again, to this point, dive into what they've done so far since we beat them last. Yeah, since we last played them, um, they went on the road and beat Evansville by seventeen. So there's another large margin. Evansville gets beat at home by. Um, they hosted Bradley, got a big win over Bradley at home, sixty-seven fifty-eight. Um, then they had to go make their Iowa trip. They got beat by. They got beat by Drake on the road, got beat by you and I on the road. Um, then they hosted UIC, got a win there. Then they go down to Belmont to play their OVC rival, got beat by 15. Then they bounce back on Saturday with a big win against Indiana State at home, 82-73. And, yeah, you mentioned um, there will be without Kenny White because of his um, his DUI and what's going on there, but he is practicing and able – I don't know if he'll travel with the team. I, I would assume not, but he was on the bench at home game. So um, he was averaging nine and nine points, four rebounds. So they insert a guy who didn't play last time. You mentioned Brian Moore Jr., a guy really, we really wanted out of a Juco, um, Northeast Oklahoma. You just slide him in. And ever since he's started, he's averaging, um, I think he scored 19 the other night, but he's averaging about nine points. And, um, three rebounds, so they just replace those nine points and four rebounds with a guy that can do a lot more. So it's interesting. We know all about Rob Perry and Jamari Smith and Jacoby Wood, but Brian Moore has been a difference maker since the last time. He didn't play against us, like you said, so he's been a difference maker since we last played them. Yeah, and I think because, you know, they've had Rob and Jacoby do their things at this point, still leading the league in minutes. We know they're still not deep, but Kenny brought something different. We talked about he was he was kind of a mismatch. You know, he had been playing better before that happened to him, and he's just sized. And we recall when we started Trent, we were like, okay, well, we're really small against them. But we, we also recall the great defensive start we had against them, making it really hard. And we got up to that early lead, and it was, you know, wishy-washy up until the end. We talked – that was a game we barely turned it over. We recall, I think we turned it over one time in the second half, and that was the throw-in Troy, Troy had to Marcus. Uh, but you're right, Brian changes everything. He had 19 in the last game. He's averaging like 13 and a half his last five games. Uh, there's a reason why we wanted him really bad, and he's playing like, you know, of course we – of course he goes there, and of course, you know, we wish we got him. We're happy with Xavier. We were talking about, you know, just thinking about some of the other guards we were in on and what they're doing elsewhere. Brian's legit. And, yeah, he's bringing that extra guard that they need alongside the other two, doing what – and he's consistently scoring and doing other things consistently that Kenny wasn't doing. The fact that, you know, Brian can easily drive the rim. They said he's been getting hand one city. You know, I said I've been listening to that Murray State pod, and I'm listening to him a lot to see what they've been doing or hearing what they're, they've been doing to this point. Like I said, he's been calling them the Magic 8-Ball Racers, and they're up and down, but we know how good they are. 
obviously. And we mentioned that was Clarence's last good game. He played 26 minutes, had 10 points, only two rebounds. JD, this is when he struggled. He fouled out in 15 minutes, didn't shoot. Ever since then, they flip-flopped their roles and their production. Quickly, though, some Bel- what Belmont's doing, they are they for- they score about uh, – let's see here. They score about 70 a game, but they allow about 69 a game. But team, that's team – they have the fourth-best team offense in the league. Uh, team defense, it's it's cool seeing us surpass Bradley now in points allowed. Like I said, Murray does allow about 69, close to 70, which is middle of the pack. Uh Rebounding. They are fifth in rebounding. They're behind Illinois State. We know we're eighth. I think we climbed up a little bit. Belmont's 10th. It's crazy with their offense, but they're 10th. We know they don't rebound all that well. Murray is middle of the or fifth on that. Team field goal percentage. They're they're I mean they're middle of the pack in almost everything. They're dead last though in three-point shooting, Noah. 31%. We thought nobody could pass us, but we know the good game we had propelled us above Valpo. We are 10th. Murray, though, the worst three-point shooting team. We mentioned how they don't really turn a whole lot of teams over. Some some usual things they also aren't. They're fifth in free throw percentage. We know DJ Burns doesn't shoot them well. Their other players usually do. Um, they're eighth in assists, so they usually like to play ISO ball, but they will pass it and get those assists. They are um, they're dead last in turnovers, uh, and in terms of that, they don't force them. So they don't. they're not going to really turn it over. That's been the case really most of the year. I know we know you mentioned some of their other personnel. DJ Burns, I think I looked at the stat. He's he's got like 67 offensive rebounds to like 84 defensive rebounds. So he's one of the best crashers in the league. And he's really all they have at that position. Jamari Smith's been struggling a lot this season. He played well in the last game when they almost all did. Uh, it's about making them force tough jumpers. And Rob Perry kept them in that game. That was the game you were in Nashville. But I was able to watch it. Rob kept them in the game. And Lance has been playing great against – um, you know, other teams' best players that were counting on them to be good in this game. Now, talk about what the starting five matchups could be with Brian and and there for them, Jawan in there for us, and then we'll get into predictions and what the spread and stuff is. Yeah, you mentioned DJ Burns. He's actually he's he's leading the league in offensive rebounding. So, um, gonna we know Mongbo killed us on the board, so gonna have to check him out. Um, but yeah, offensive starting five matchups. I mean. Um, you got to see the first game. I did not, but I would assume it'll be X um, picking up Jacoby Wood f- full court, pressing him, either him or Dalton, because uh, Jacoby leads the league in minutes played a game. He's playing about 36 and a half minutes a night. So pressing him, wearing them down, we know they don't have a deep bench. Um, then we know Lance will be on Rob Perry again, which Rob Perry's second – in the league in minutes played with 35 and a half minutes tonight. So um, those two guys picking them up, wearing those guys out because they don't have a deep, very deep bench. So that'll be key there. Um, Other than that, we know Clarence um, will be on the big man in uh, DJ Burns, most likely Um, Brian Moore will probably, that'll be a Juwan um, guarding him. Um, I like that matchup. I know Brian can get to the rim. Like you said, he's getting and one city right now, but I expect um, Jawan's capable enough to stay in front of him and be able to guard him. Then that leaves um, just Jamari Smith um, for Marcus. Um, I don't know exactly what happened in the first matchup. If uh, who guarded who big wise, I don't know what's the best. I would say Jamari, 
um, would be the best matchup for Marcus in this one. Um, but yeah, like I said, those two guards leading the league in minutes played. Marcus is right right behind both of them. Marcus is third in the league in minutes played, but getting after those guys and uh, doing what this team has done to most of the teams in the Valley so far, um, just wearing them down and be able to take over games in the second half. You're right. You mentioned X picking up. I mean, that was the thing, picking up 94 feet. That was able to shake Jacoby Wood for only three points on 0 of 4 shooting, all from three in that game. I mean, Quincy Anderson had six off the uh, – Morgan didn't do a whole lot against us in 10 minutes in the first game, but he's been playing better. We're definitely going to see a lot of him. That seems like a Troy matchup off the bench, potentially. And Quincy, yeah, Quincy was hitting some big shots. He hit a three, but he was hitting some key jumpers uh, and was playing some – he was on Marcus. When Quincy Anderson comes in the game, he was on Marcus a lot. But you're right, Jamari and Marcus are the matchup. Hopefully, And Marcus had 11 rebounds in that game. I think we are rebounded him. Uh, but, yeah, him and Lance have to be good because they were in that first game. Uh, I mean, Lance shot 50% and made and had 21 points. So hoping we get a lot of that. Yeah, Clarence, 10 points. I mean, I mean, even like I said, we were making it hard. I mean, DJ Burns has been playing so well for them recently, only had four and eight in that game. And I mentioned we were able to hold them. Kenny White had 13. Those are going to be washed away. So it's all about just making them force tough shots. Rob Perry put up 17 in that game. So, I mean, it, that's obviously one of the most vital parts of this. And, um, no, I mean, I mentioned the spread earlier. We're seven-point favorites at home, rightfully so in terms of we're home. It seems like a big spread. We know Murray's one of those teams where nobody can count them out in any game because of their athletes and because of how well or how good of players they have. 75.8% chance matchup predictor according to us. 131 over under. What are you thinking in this one, obviously, with – um we were just talking about some other spreads around the Valley. This one seems maybe right. What do you think, and what, what are you picking? Yeah, I think I definitely will take the under in that one. I think we won by six last time down there, and it was combined, I think, 120 points, if I remember correctly. So I'll take the under, obviously, because it'll be a tough, grinded-out game. But um, I think – Towards the end, maybe we can knock down some free throws and be able to cover that seven. Uh, we won by six down there, so hopefully at home in front of a big crowd, we can get that done. Give me your quick dog of the game. Quick dog of the game. Um, I'm going to go with Xavier Johnson. I think he can be another guy. He can help us uh, by not only picking up uh, Jacoby Wood again, but helping us offensively because obviously – we know Marcus and Lance has a lot on their shoulders, so just more guys stepping up. But I think X needs to – he's been a little bit up and down game-to-game-wise, so if he can start going a little stretch by himself, that would be huge for us. Yeah, I just really – you're right, because Evansville, he was awful and almost fouled out. And then, I mean, Lance fouled out in that game. So it just wishy-washy of performances. X definitely needs to be more consistent in that regard. We know we can do it because then he'll flip the script and be as great as he was last game. That's a good pick. I, I want to pick Clarence because if he remains in the starting five and he had a good game against him last time, that he can maybe – And we mentioned how Juwan in there, he's not going to get the same look. But um, I can see Clarence maybe get going. I mean, he's got to be good. Until J.D. and or Scotty gets in against D.J., we're going to have to wear those guys down, and I think Clarence can hopefully do a good job of that. And I, we need him to bounce back, and I'm, I'm going to pick that. Yeah, I think Murray can cover the plus seven. I think that's – a I, like I said, I think that's a lot. And 
you know, we're prone to we're, we'll play close games up until the end. I mean, Evansville, we were killing and then they came back and we know we've been kind of can be up and down at home. And yeah, Brian does give them that extra lift that they've been needing offensively and everything. I definitely think it'll cover the seven. I do think we win. I think it could be a vital win. Murray can look at it as almost a desperate win. They need to get out of the six and four hole and obviously kicking us down a notch because it's vital. Belmont having that Evansville game, we need to, you know, stand pat with them near the top. So it this is definitely an important game. Looking to sweep the racers, we this will be the we know we played Evansville twice. This will only be the second time we've played a team. So we'll get all or in Indiana State. So this is the third time we'll get a team twice before we get Bradley or UIC once. Like I said, it's all kind of strange. They kind of predicted that near the end of the year of what it could be. Uh, so overall, yeah, I think the under can hit as well with the defense. I agree. And we know they've they're doing the whole, I think, free pizza and everything for tomorrow, acting like it's a big game. We know Murray in the vicinity. They bring fans to Banterra Center, thinking they will, hoping for a decent crowd. Noah, so again, quick final thoughts, because this game can go a long way. Nine and two in general, just because you can put the racers away in a sweep, move them down. Cause they're like I said, they're a team it's tough, tough to imagine facing down the down the stretch. If you can get this sweep and stay at first place, it can do us wonders. Yeah, absolutely. This is a big Big game, bringing them into the conference um, just makes another rival right down the road. Um, but, yeah, this is a chance to sweep these guys, to uh, welcome them into the Missouri Valley with a sweep um, and letting them know what the Missouri Valley is all about. Um, hopefully we have a big crowd. I know we were um, third in uh, – I think we're third in home average um, with about 4,700 or just under 4,700 right behind. Surprisingly, Evansville has exactly an average of 4,700. The Murray is leading the way with just under 5,000 each home game. So um, hopefully we can get a large number out. We Like you said, pack the pound, free pizzas and stuff, um, get the get the students involved. But other than that, we need everybody else. To, like Like everybody says, like Brian preaches, when that arena is rocking, this community comes together, that place is a special place to be. And it needs to be like that tomorrow night because this team's leading this conference and it needs to be special and we need to be there in full force. So can't wait for it. Hopefully everybody can get there. It's a great point. If we were tied for fifth, it'd be like, okay. I mean, we're, we're tied for first. I mean, people should come out hoping that is the case because and Murray brings fans, but in general, I mean, it's a Tuesday night, back-to-back Tuesday nights. Decent crowd at Evansville. There needs to be a decent crowd tomorrow night in this big game to propel us even more. Like I said, that sweep will go a long, long way. So hoping to stay – I mean, Dalton Banks is on in the uh, the dog pound or in the doghouse tonight. It's, it's over. It started at 6. We'll retweet that out. Haven't got a chance to listen yet. Um, like the last two Mondays, haven't been able to, but – it is on. We'll retweet that. And, yes, everybody show out to the Banterra Center tomorrow. That's all we ask for. If you can't make it, if you're not in the area as a fan, ESPN Plus at 7 o'clock. So looking forward to it. Like, so hopefully we can get the job done. Talk to you guys at 9 and 2 before we head to a game that Noah and I will be in attendance for on Sunday in our rivalry game to try to sweep the Redbirds. We'll dive into that on the next time. So for Nick Malone. Noah Lurch. As always, go Ducks.